Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel this morning is from the first chapter of St. Mark. Now they, and this means Jesus and the first disciples that he, had, that he had called in a previous reading, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A question I'd like to wrestle with today as we spend a little bit of time together is is this one. Who has authority in your life? And really, this more specific question, who has ultimate authority in your life? The answer might not be as easy as you think. One day, a boss was complaining in a staff meeting that he wasn't getting any respect, and so the next day he brought a small sign that said, I'm the boss, and he he taped it to his office door. Later that day when he returned from lunch, he he found that someone taped a note to the sign that said, "Uh, Mr. Phillips, your wife called, she wants her sign back. (laughs) Who has authority in your life? Um, It's the beginning of the new year, and so we're taking a look at the the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and we're using uh, the Gospel of Mark. So we've been working very carefully through, walking very carefully through this first chapter of Mark's Gospel. Today's reading is, is, is a continuation from last week's reading in which Jesus called His first disciples, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, to the first people who were invited to follow Him. Together, um, they, they walked to a lakeside town called Capernaum. It's a town in Galilee. It's the Sabbath day, which means it's the day of worship, so naturally they make their way to the synagogue. And at that point, no one, and this is important to remember, at that point, for the most part, no one knows who Jesus is. Even these new disciples probably uh, just think He's an interesting guy to hang out with, to spend some time with, at least for a while. Anyway, they show up in the, in the synagogue, and Jesus, this sort of unknown Jesus, begins to, begins to teach. But notice what happens. The second He opens His mouth, before He even gets a word out, something confronts Him. Something tries to stand in the way of what He is called to do and, and called to proclaim. Right then, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and He cried out, again, before Jesus is able to say a word, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Have you, Jesus of Nazareth, come to destroy us? I know who you are, he says. You are the Holy One of Israel. 
it's, it's, it's as if it's a movie. I can imagine the man stepping in close to Jesus, staring him in the eye. The sunlight shines on their faces. Everyone is just amazed at what is, is going on. And this man reveals something that brings chills down, down their spines and ours too, if you're listening carefully enough, when he says, you, you, pointing to Jesus, are the Holy One, the Son of God. And then we remember, don't we, that up until this point, no one has made that proclamation. No one seems to really know who Jesus truly is. No one has recognized him in that way except for God at Jesus' baptism. And here's the point. Both, both this demon within this man and God himself is trying to claim authority in life. Both will try to claim authority in your life as well. A bit more about this demon-possessed man. In Jesus' day, the world believed very strongly in the presence of demons. Life was filled with them, so much so that the people lived in fear much of the time. Where did they come from? Well, some believe they were as old as creation itself. Maybe they were the spirits of wicked men and women who had died and were still carrying on their nasty work. That's what some people believed. Others believed this old Jewish story of two angels uh, who got ticked off at God and came down to earth because they wanted to, because they were attracted by the beauty of earthly women. One, though, after a while, returned to God and asked for forgiveness. The other stayed on the earth to satisfy his lust. And so, the story goes, the demons on the earth are the result of that lust. Literally, they are the children of those lustful relationships. One Jewish authority has even narrowed it down to seven and a half million demons were the result of those lustful relationships. How they got that number, no clue. But most thought, most believed in this very real presence of demons, that they lived in unclean places like tombs and areas where there was no clean water, that they howled in the desert, howled in the middle of the night. They tormented lonely travelers, women and children, even brides and bridegrooms trying to pull them away from one another and certainly from God too. They were a menace at night and they were a menace during the heat of the day. They were, there were demons of blindness, demons of leprosy demons of paralysis, and of course, demons of death. We might think all of that sounds silly, but one thing we shouldn't overlook, the strong belief that the ultimate purpose of the demon is to gain authority in your life. The Romans built large statues to ward them off. Rabbis preached that all you'd have to do is adhere to the law of God, and God would protect you from these demons. And then get this, uh, there is even a, a cultural sort of resting place for these demons. Down below the tall hills of Jerusalem is a valley. It's called the Valley of Gehenna. It's constantly smoldering. Why? Because it's the city's trash heap, and the trash burns day and night. It's a horrible place. Nothing will grow there because it's been burning for years and years and years. No upstanding Jewish man or woman would, would go near there, not just because of the smell, not just because of the smoldering and the fire, but also because legend holds that that that's where the demons dwell, in the valley of Gehenna, which would popularly become known as hell. So close to the heart of the holy city, it was a constant presence. Here's the point. The first thing Jesus does in Mark's gospel 
The first thing Jesus does is the first act of his public ministry after calling Andrew, Simon, James, and John as his first disciples. The first thing that he did was to walk into the synagogue and stare that demon in the face, the demon that had possessed that very innocent man, the demon that knew Jesus' name. Jesus looked into his eye, confronted the evil within that man, and took all authority away from him. Jesus was making a profoundly important point, again, at the very beginning, that God has the power and authority to rule over all things. And though hordes of devils will try to stand in His way, Jesus' authority will prevail, especially to those who claim it. Good stuff, I would say. Important stuff for us in our own sort of daily journey through life. Verse 25 sort of gives a bit more specifics. How does this sort of happen? How does it emerge? Verse 25, Jesus, after being confronted by the demon who will not even allow Jesus to speak, Jesus then stands before him and says, be silent and come out of that man. And the man began to convulse. He began to writhe on the floor and slither away. The innocent man was free. Now let's get real. Some of you are facing your own demons right now. You may be struggling with, I don't know, the power of a sin that you cannot overcome. Maybe you are overwhelmed in in one way or another by by something, by the demons of addiction or of anger or, or, or pride or unfaithfulness or despair. Some of these are demons that only you know about, what theologians call the the, uh, the covert demons of your soul, and you wonder how it is that they, they have come to a place where they've claimed so much authority in your life. How did it get this bad, you think? The gospel message today is this, that Jesus has the power to cast aside those demons and reclaim authority in your life. Will you let him? You know, um, tell me the truth. You may very well be already snubbing your nose at this idea of demons in the world. Just the word itself just sounds so, I don't know, medieval almost. It sounds almost silly. You know, images of gargoyles come up or of, of, a, of a red sort of tiny figurine with a pitchfork and a long tail sort of emerges in your brain. We're too sophisticated to believe in something like that. Well, if that's you, then let me tell you of of some of the demons that I've run across in my ministry. Rebecca feels as though there's an unclean spirit in her life. She knows it deep in her heart. She knows the presence of this demon, but she wants desperately to be free. She entered into her marriage with every hope that it would be as glorious as her parents' and her grandparents' marriage, just full of love, but it wasn't long before her husband began to belittle her, to, to laugh at her, to make fun at her of her, to, to demand of her things that she simply could not do. And then when she didn't do them, he'd hit her jokingly at first until, well, the bruises began to tell another part of the story. Now the demon within Rebecca has convinced her that it's her fault, all of this all along, and all she needs to do is to be a better wife, to be a better person. Don't tell Rebecca that there's no such thing as demons in this world. Or John. John's a guy I met at Run Helping Ministries. 
one day. He's lived in poverty all of his life. He grew up in a rural community with six brothers and six sis- and sisters, some half, some full. He hardly knew his dad because, well, his dad always spent every night out getting drunk until finally he just never came home altogether, just sort of left town. And John never liked school all that much, so it really didn't bother him too terribly much that, uh, that when his dad was gone, he had to drop out of school, which, which he had to do so that he could find a job and help pay the family's bills. But for the rest of his life, that's what he would be doing, just trying to find a job to, to, try, to, pay the, to try to pay the bills, relying on food banks for groceries and free clinics for medicines. He doesn't want to live that way. Please hear that at all. Uh, but he doesn't know any other way to live. He has no other model to follow, it seems. He wants more control over his life. He wants to be able to make better decisions to provide for his family, but dadgummit, that unclean spirit called the cycle of poverty just will not let him go. It's wrecked him, and he's lost control. Or what of Michael? Michael still can't bear to call his parents. He hasn't spoken to them in over three years because he doesn't want to hear their criticism again, but here's the deal. Now he has a two-year-old daughter, and this two-year-old daughter has never even seen their picture. The unclean spirit of pride has kept it boxed away in the attic. Or what about the ways Satan uses things outside of us to claim authority over us? Politics, political figures, our own greed or our own consumption Tools that Satan will use to divide us within us and outside of us by claiming ultimate authority over us. Here's the bottom line. Whether we believe in demons that look like gargoyles or not, one thing we can all agree on, that unclean spirits wreak havoc on too many lives, leaving men and women, boys and girls feeling out of control because something beyond them, maybe something within them has claimed ultimate authority in their lives. We might not hear the howling in the dark, but rest assured at night we do hear them crying into their pillows, begging for a way out. Well, the message of the gospel At the very first part of Jesus' ministry, the first public part of Jesus' ministry, when when the power of Satan, when these demons, the unclean spirits, try to stand in his way before he can get a single word out in his first message, his first sermon, the message of the gospel is that Jesus dares to stare in the face of Satan himself and says, you have no authority here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the one who conquers death and the grave. I am the one who gives sight to the blind and, 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 and hope to the hopeless. I am the peace that passes all understanding. So come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. I will give you hope. I will give you life. I will claim authority, Jesus says, authority over all that is terrifying you, over everything that is tearing you apart and eating you up at night, everything that is trying desperately to convince you that Jesus has no authority in your life. Friends, I would invite you today, at the very least in this moment, to dedicate this time, let's just dedicate this moment to all those who need the authority of Jesus to be ever-present in their life right 
now. You know who they are. You may be one of them. And in the midst of a world that begs you to find authority in other places, because rest assured, you're going to step out into this week, and there are going to be plenty of things that are begging to have authority in your life in the midst of that world, or even in the midst of a pop culture that will say, oh, look, hey, when that happens, just dig deep within yourself. Just find your own inner strength because you can do it yourself. You don't need anything else. You just need your own strength. You're thinking, no, no, I can't because I've lost all strength. That's when we cry out to this name of Jesus because Jesus can claim authority and Jesus does claim authority. But the question that we have today is this one. Who do you want to have authority in your life? I can tell you of one who will go to the ends of the earth to claim it for you. One single word. One single name. Jesus. Blessed Jesus. Won't you come to him today? Amen.